This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3563, for Wednesday, the 30th of March, 2022. Today's show is entitled, Home Coffee Roasting, Part 1. It is hosted by Dint and is about 19 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is, what it's like to roast coffee at home. Welcome to another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. This is DNT. Uh, so after recording this in the edit, I decided to split it into two episodes. So uh, this is going to be two episodes about uh, home coffee roasting, which is when you buy green coffee uh, in a in a kind of a fairly small amount and you roast it yourself at home. So the first episode, this one. Uh, will be kind of generally about coffee and home coffee roasting, coffee roasting in general. Uh, and then in part two, um, I will talk specifically about how I have roasted coffee and how I roast coffee today, and also brewing. Um, talk a little bit about that too. All right, and here's the recording. Uh, this one is um, going to be a, an episode about coffee, um, specifically about home coffee roasting. Also, I'll note that I'm recording this using SoloCast from uh, Todd Norris. I'll put the link in the show notes to the episode where he introduced this uh, Python script that helps you record a, an episode of Hacker Public Radio. I'm finding it really interesting, and this is the first episode I'm recording um, using SoloCast. So the first question that may come to mind is, why roast coffee at home? There can be a lot of reasons for you to do that. Um, so one option is it can be cheaper, um, a little cheaper than buying um, coffee already roasted. Maybe not as cheap as you might expect, not as not as much cheaper as you might expect, um, but it's definitely cheaper, especially if you buy good quality coffee, roasted coffee. One thing that I like too is that you don't have to be buying coffee all the time because a green coffee keeps for quite a lot longer than roasted coffee. So, for example, I order coffee. I order maybe about 10 pounds of coffee um, once every two or three months. And uh, when I say 10 pounds of coffee, that's green coffee. So it weighs about twice as much as it does after you roast it. So uh, that probably means about five pounds of roasted coffee is what I go through here in two or three months. So another thing that I find really important is that... um, When you buy green coffee, a larger share of the money you pay for it is going to the growers back in the in the growing countries. And I think that's uh, yeah. I've seen some graphs about how much of the money you pay for a cup of coffee at a coffee shop in a country like the United States. And yeah, the of course most of it goes to the coffee shop, which is fine. Um, but uh, when it comes to the roasting, a lot of um, um, a lot of the money goes to the roaster, uh, and only a very small portion goes back to the to the farmer in the producing country. And I and many others believe that the highest impact on the cup is actually made at the farm, not at roasting. Basically, one way you can look at it is that in the roast, you can certainly ruin a good coffee, but you can't save a bad coffee. You know. 
So that's a good reason for me because I am from a country, from a, a coffee-producing country. So I do care about uh, making sure that the coffee, the, the countries that are providing coffee to the world um, are being paid well for it. So where to buy green coffee then? Um, I learned about this uh, place called Sweet Maria's. I had kind of heard about people roasting coffee at home but never gave it much attention. Uh, then someone um, uh, my wife met at her job, he was handing out bags of coffee that he had roasted at home. And then he mentioned he, he bought it, uh, he bought the green coffee at Sweet Maria's, and then that's how I entered this rabbit hole. So Sweet Maria's uh, um, a company I'm quite fond of. They um, put good stuff on their website for you to read in addition to the stuff you buy from them. Uh, they also sell a lot of coffee equipment, so it's kind of like they endorse it, you know. They they sell things and they kind of explain why they think it's good, uh, like stuff for brewing coffee, for storing coffee, just anything to do with coffee, basically. Um, so, as I mentioned in my most recent episode, I they have a podcast they occasionally post to, and those are quite good, too. Um, the uh, owner... Uh, whose name is Tom, he uh, records uh, about his trips to coffee-producing countries, and those are often pretty nice. Um, I remember one, he was in Ethiopia, and we could hear some of the background noise and stuff. And yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, it's people I've enjoyed listening to. They post also regularly, they post um, an article that they call the Coffee Outlook, in which they kind of outline what coffees are coming in, and they make some comments about it too. So I'm, I kind of like to learn some about the coffee industry around the world, the exporting of it, etc. Um, it's also cool because then, like, you know, they, they sell some blends, but most of what they sell are single-origin coffees, which means just one coffee from one country or region. So then it's kind of like, uh, for example, I remember um, about a year ago, maybe a, a year and a half ago, um, I bought this one coffee that they called Guatemala Huehuetenango Boqueroncito. I shared it with people, and yeah, just every, people were just blown away. It was one of those coffees that you, it, it's what a lot of people imagine all your coffee must taste like if you roast your own coffee at home, but it's not true. Only sometimes it does. <laughs> So, so then, yeah, you see that one, and like it came maybe from a farm or from a cooperative in a region of Guatemala, um, and then you can kind of watch for it in the next season when they're going to get a new um, harvest from that same region or, um, or cooperative or whatever it is. You can kind of keep an eye on that outlook, and then as soon as it gets in, order more if you liked it, right? Also... They had an article about Zimbabwe coffee, uh, which was pretty interesting, um, talking about the um, Zimbabwe coffee industry of many years ago and um, like political turmoil in the country, how it affected the coffee industry, etc. As uh, one of those, like someone who's been working in the coffee industry for many years will have this kind of observation and they're sharing this um, in this article. I'll put a link in the show notes as well for you to have a look. 
And then another thing I'll mention is the, the I guess, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it's spelled C-I-N-I, -I, so I'm going to say Cine Cups. Um, so these were supposed to be a cup. Uh, it's like the cup that people drink coffee out of in Ethiopia. And um, Tom had seen it in Ethiopia many times, and then he was able to secure some to sell from his company. Um, and they, you know, they're just these little coffee cups that he says everywhere in Ethiopia where you buy coffee, it'll be served in a cup just like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I just find it interesting. I ordered some, and they're cool. So what is green coffee like? Um, green coffee is like uh, a muted green, and I would describe that it's quite a lot smaller than um, roasted coffee, and uh, it smells like nature, I would say. It smells like a little bit like grass or something like that. So that can allow for some um, enjoyment in, um, you know, taking a coffee from somewhere really far away and just smelling it and thinking about how you're smelling the somehow the land or the nature of that place. Uh, and then I'll talk about decaf coffee too um, quickly. So decaf coffee looks kind of brown. It looks quite different, uh, and it smells like malt. Um, it's not a not a very pleasant smell uh, when it's not roasted. Uh, this decaf coffee I'm talking about, uh, it's um, the one that's produced through a method that's called uh, Swiss water process. You know, everybody hates um, uh, decaf coffee, but actually there are some newer techniques for removing caffeine from coffee that are actually quite good. They uh, And then, yeah, after some time, I actually tried it, and I ordered a couple of decaf coffees from them uh, made with this Swiss water process. And, yeah, it's true. There's, uh, It's it's really good. It, um, uh, you know, this uh, decaf coffee can taste uh, even better than a bad regular coffee, um, in truth. So, yeah, what they do is they just take some coffee, um, some... Uh, regular coffee, and they send it to this company that removes the caffeine for them using this process and then sends it back to them. Um, and, uh, yeah, they say, you know, one thing with uh, decaf coffee is, like, you're never going to send your best coffee to be decaffeinated. So um, by that alone, it's not going to be as good as regular coffee, of course. But, uh, you know, as an option, if you're sensitive to caffeine, um, or something like that, it's uh, it's definitely decent. And yeah, having tried it, I absolutely agree. I I uh, have been buying, I have always been having one regular coffee and one decaf coffee. And then most days, what I've done is I'll just start the day with one regular espresso, uh, and then for the rest of the day, I'll drink half-calf, which is just, you know, half regular coffee and half decaf. So you get less caffeine in the cup. And yeah, it's pretty good. So when you roast the coffee, uh, there's something that's called chaff, that if you start roasting coffee at home, you will be very familiar with it. Uh, this is like this skin that's, that's like a little bit of um, like pulp or something, of the, the flesh of the, chair, of the coffee cherry, um, that when you roast it, it dries out and it just flies off, right? It's like it's invisible in the green coffee, but when you roast it, it appears, um, and it can make a bit of a mess when you're, you're roasting. It's definitely one of the more inconvenient things about roasting coffee yourself. Decaf coffee, of course, since it's been processed in water, it doesn't have any chaff. So when you roast it, no chaff comes off. 
regular coffee, you have mostly two uh, main types of um, processing for coffee. Uh, so it's like, you know, they pick the coffee and then they process it in mostly in one of two ways. Um, and those two ways are, are called dry process or wet process. Uh, and basically they're the ways of kind of removing the flesh so that you get down to the beans, the two beans that come in each coffee cherry. Um, and that can be uh, the wet process is like you, you wash it uh, in, in various different ways and then it removes the, the most of the flesh. Uh, and that process does remove um, more material um, so you get less chaff when you're roasting a, a wet process coffee. Um, and a dry process coffee is usually it's just picked and then it's just laid out on a patio and left to dry. So... Uh, and then after that, usually you process it in some kind of a mill to kind of break the the dried up uh, flesh off. So you can imagine with this, you get a lot more material left um, on the bean. Uh, and that material will later, when you're roasting, it'll come off. Um, so other differences between wet and dry processed coffee are uh, wet... Um, Wet process is supposed to uh, remove certain kinds of flavors from the coffee. So uh, dry process coffees are uh, generally thought to be to have more dried fruit flavors, more fruity. Kind of like most of the time, um, the uh, coffee that kind of tastes kind of crazy, kind of wild, like uh, you know, someone who's not used to it might be even surprised it is coffee. Um, those kinds of coffees are a lot of times they're dry process coffees. So they keep a lot of like what you might call rustic um, aromas or whatever. Um, so they can be pretty good. Um, that's definitely an interesting, like if you, if you see a, a, a really um, a dry process coffee that's described in really interesting terms, um, yeah, it, it can be kind of fun. Um, and yeah, I'll show also, I'll put a link in the show notes to just to one coffee at uh, Sweet Maria so you can see how they kind of rate and describe each coffee that they sell. Um, the Especially, I, I like the, the wheel with um, several different kind of um, criteria. That's kind of mostly what I look at. Uh, and I mostly... Uh, look for a coffee that's rated high on sweetness, um, as citrus. Citrus and sweetness, I think, for me, are our favorites. But who knows? It's all super subjective. You know, you just you just buy and you try it and and see what it tastes like, and then go on to the next one. Uh, like I said before, a lot of people when they hear that you roast coffee at home, uh, they react like, oh, you know, coffee must be really amazing. But but, you know, no, not necessarily. Like, you know, if I decide that I'm going to make chairs at home, are you going to think I'm going to be making the best chairs in the world? No. You know, it's the same with coffee. Um, sometimes it's very good and sometimes it's not that good. So now for roast levels. Um, uh, so, yeah, a lot of people will say, oh, I like dark roast. I do not like dark roast. So dark roast is usually... It's like you obliterate the, the, the origin aromas that are in your coffee, and you kind of replace them with just roast aromas, right? You know, usually you roast coffees more to make it more kind of uh, consistent. So 
you can bunch together a bunch of different coffees that have been processed, uh, maybe in different ways. Some of them are maybe not not as well, haven't been as well processed by the, the farms. Um, you just bunch them all together and then roast them to a certain level where you kind of just even it all out. That's kind of what roasting does. Um, so if you have a good coffee, most likely, I think, you're going to want to roast it a little lighter. But then again, that's me. Um, I do hear about a lot of coffees where, uh, from Sweet Maria's, for example, where they recommend roasting darker, roasting to a darker level than I mostly do, uh, because it's supposed to bring out certain uh, different notes. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I roast a little lighter usually. So another thing, when you're roasting coffee, uh, there's, a, there's what's called the first crack and the second crack. Uh, so this is an audible cracking of the, the coffee beans. And it's caused by some uh, something to do with um, CO2 escaping from the bean with so much force that it cracks the, the flesh of the bean. So the first crack, it's, it's kind of the marker where you're supposed to start watching uh, your roast. Because um, um, once it goes through the first crack, uh, once you first start hearing it crack, um, you it means it's kind of okay to drink from, from that point on, and then you just decide what level you want. Um, so the first crack sounds supposedly sounds kind of like popcorn. I'm going to put a, a little audio clip here after this uh, showing you in my roaster what the, what the first crack sounds like. I'll usually wait until the first crack kind of ends where, you know, it's cracking and then it's cracking a lot and then it'll kind of subside for a while. Uh, and usually I cut it off at that point and I have it cool. Uh, and then there's also the second crack, which is very dark. If you if your coffee goes all the way to second crack, your coffee is going to be very dark. So I almost never get there. Um, and the, the second crack is supposed to sound more like uh, Rice Krispie treats when you put milk on them, you know, it's like a softer popping and it's a lot more popping you hear. Um, so, and it's going to be smoking like crazy at that point. So that's the second crack. You're, you're basically after second crack, you're, you're just making, uh, you know, charcoal. If you take your coffee out right when it starts cracking, it's probably not going to be very good. You you probably need to let let it crack for a while. I like the point I do. And there are names for all these roast levels, but I don't know too much about that. All right, that was part one of um, my two-part episode about home coffee roasting. Uh, in two weeks' time, I'll talk about how I have roasted coffee, how I started, how I do it today, and also some about how I brew coffee. Um, if you don't want to wait... You can just go to the future feed and find the other episode there, um, as I'll post these both at the same time. All right, thank you for joining us, and come back tomorrow for another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. 
Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.